0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode one hundred and forty-nine of the Justin Insight Podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Um, as previously stated, not going to ask the usual "How is everyone?" because we're still stuck in uh, lockdown due to the coronavirus. Um, in the past week, not much has changed. Uh, I feel like every day is Groundhog Day at the moment, so going a tiny little bit insane but trying to keep productive uh and just sort of do things day to day i've found out apparently i'm pretty good at cleaning windows so that's one thing i guess um but yeah hope everyone is keeping safe uh keeping well in these situations um i know there's various kind of implications that have kind of come from this like in regards to sort of living situations uh people's mental health people living with it uh within abusive relationships and so on and so forth so honestly if you know anyone that is kind of struggling or whatever please reach out to them like it really does help even if it's just a general just quick chat i think it really helps and i myself have been trying to sort of communicate with friends who i know don't do as well in situations where they're kind of left isolated and left on their own. So, yeah, if if you can reach out to people, then please do. Um, I don't want to kind of drag on about this coronavirus too much because we're all in this situation. We all know it's fucking shit. Um, but we can't help but talk about it. It's, there's not much else to talk about at the moment, unfortunately. Um but one thing that I did want to talk about, uh, just briefly, because I was meant to mention it last on last week's episode, uh, but I completely forgot to. Um, good friend of, of the show, uh, Brad Thorne, who formerly did the Bitchin' review with our good friend Denny Randon over at the Bitchin' uh, brew podcast. Uh, he from pretty much day one, actually, of sort of quote unquote lockdown, um, he set up a thing on twitter called the isolation album club now each day this has been something that's kind of been keeping me occupied which i've really appreciated uh, each day he posts a different record that people have uh, who've either been nominated or have just kind of submitted uh to, to just check out really and kind of get involved have their say on it and and so on and so forth so um yeah, just want to encourage more people to get involved in listening to music they may otherwise not have heard of. Like I've listened to several albums since he set it up that I would have never in my wildest dreams have checked out otherwise, but I'm kind of glad that I have. Um, so you can get involved on Twitter uh, using the hashtag Club, or if you want, you can follow Brad. Uh, sorry, Brad, if I'm giving out private information here, but I think it's a cool thing you're doing. Um, his twitter handle is at brad underscore thorn with an e on the end Um, so yeah go get involved go check that out Uh, also as mentioned if you didn't listen last week um, I'm going to repeat this every week until this happens but um, just due to my equipment basically busting at the moment and not having the capability of purchasing new stuff at the moment um i've got a couple of interviews in the bag they will be the ones that will be putting out week to week once they are done unless something dramatically changes there will be a pause put on the podcast until i'm able to invest in new equipment just because i want to try and get the best quality of product out to you as possible so just a heads up on that one um also another note uh people have been wondering about the magazine um issue two is done uh so thank you for everyone who has pre-ordered you can still pre-order that um basically the printing press place has a backlog of things at the moment so i haven't sent it off to press just yet because i don't want to prolong it any further than it already is um i'm hoping to get it out in the next sort of week or so the basically the company said they're going to let me know when there's a slot when that slot's available everything will be sent off and we'll get going from there so that's where things stand with that um i've got ideas for issue three but again because of this whole situation at the moment not really knowing what the fuck is going on i don't want to kind of rush into issue three just yet um but that's where things are with the magazine as well so yeah Final little caveat, just because it relates to this episode, um, there was a bit of a technical issue when recording this one. Partly my fault because I forgot to hit record on one of the parts. Secondly, uh, my laptop again decided to go bust. So there may be a jump in audio during the discussion, but I've tried to already address that. All of my st- stuff is just completely gone to shit at the moment Um, but I still wanted to get these interviews out so I do apologise if there is a dip in quality compared to usual. Anyway, I've rambled on far too long, let's get to this week's guest Uh, and this week I am joined by iFly's vocalist and guitarist and backslider bassist Jake Smith. Um, This was recorded just after iFly's released their debut full length which is a fucking killer record if you're not familiar with it go check it out on all sort of streaming platforms um we discuss how kind of metal and alternative music has kind of been in his blood like uh his mum was listening to sort of Aussie and Metallica when he was still in the womb um how he quit his job to to learn bass and how kind of he moves between the two, two bands and how his responsibility in the two bands is kind of different because obviously i flies he is very much the focal point in terms of lyrics and vocals uh, or as backslider he not takes a back seat but isn't the predominant music writer so has a different role in it and can enjoy playing the bass and sort of take it from there but so yeah so yeah please enjoy the chat that i have with jake and i'll see you on the other side Uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is Backslider bassist and iFly's vocalist and guitarist, so a man of many talents, uh, Jake Smith. Jake, thank you very much for taking some time out of your quarantine to have a little chat with me. Um, how's everything over the stateside at the moment? Because we've only officially kind of gone into lockdown in the last three days, but i how are things over in the states at the moment are they a bit mental a bit crazy what can you talk me through what you're experiencing
1: yeah um definitely um thanks for having me it's good to be here i i think yeah you could say it's going mental around here for sure <laughs> yeah. um I, I i've actually been sort of like at home for a little longer because i ruptured
0: a, a calf muscle oh shit like, and a half before like the
1: lockdown in Philly started to happen. So I was already taking time off work and having to stay off it. And then, um, and this all happened. So I've been out of work for a while and losing it a little bit. But I think, um, in general, it's, you know, it's all right. I've been like working on, uh, music and learning how to program drums and do all that kind of stuff. So that's been fun. But I, uh, I think it's getting a little tense now because I don't know if you heard what our idiot president was talking about yesterday, but he's just like trying to, pretend that things aren't that bad and be like yeah in a couple of weeks we're just gonna be bustling again like you know th- this is slowing down our economy and it's more important that uh our economy moves than save lives like he basically was literally saying that uh it's okay if a bunch of people die as long
0: as our economy keeps going yeah yeah so, uh, yeah, things are a little fucked right now so <laughs> no uh, well I think because I um I had this, a conversation with um, Elliot from the band uh, Beneath the Massacre recently, and obviously they're okay. they're in Canada, and he kind of said thankfully they their government kind of acted pretty quickly and went into to lockdown quite quite quick. But it seems both over here in the UK and yourselves in the states who have absolute tools for for heads of leadership at the moment, oh, like just seem like bumbling idiots and just don't know what e- either of wanna doing sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I think I think our two countries have it the worst really when it comes down to it with like just horrible leadership, especially for like developed countries that are supposed to be like setting an example for Yeah, you know, uh, our neighbors and all that stuff. It's 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 gross. But I'm yeah. glad I'm glad Canada's not taking cues from us anymore. I think they
0: learned their lesson Well anyway, we'll get on to more exciting things to talk about mainly mainly yourself. Um, as I said, the show is called Just an Insight. I always like to take my guests back to their roots and their origins. So what was kind of your first exposure of alternative music? What kind of drew you down that path? Um,
1: so I, I, I've, I've had a love for music my whole life because of my family. Everyone in my family plays music. So my my summers growing up were spent at uh, Bluegrass Music Festivals, where oh, my, like, my mom and my grandma's bands would... Uh, do like the bluegrass festival circuit in the summer so like we would just be camping all summer at these different festivals and all that stuff but uh I think when I was like eight or nine um my I think it was my uncle um gave me a a Green Day tape and uh and that you know that that was the first thing that I like got into that I was like this is I'm into this like my mom doesn't like it like (laughs) you know like this is like like it was like the first choice that I made to be like I'm into this music thing yeah um and uh I mean that that stuck but that definitely planted the seed I mean getting into getting into Green Day changed everything for me
0: can you remember which album it was
1: uh it was so he had a copy of Kerplunk and it and it was like and he he gave it was on tape and he gave it to me and I'm not sure how he got it cause like I know that he's like never like particularly been into punk or like anything like that I think maybe a friend passed it along to him um but it was, like, maybe a month or two before Dookie came out. So okay. Like, or, at least, or at least a month or two before I was aware of it. It was a long time ago, so I'm not sure. But I know that it was, like, I had that. And then, you know, and then the singles from Dookie started hitting. And then I was just, like, fully in. I was like, this is, this is, like, my thing now. You know, yeah. this is what I
0: care for. So where did it kind of evolve from from there? Like, was it did you kind of go down that whole punk route like where, where did you kind of go in your own sort of discovery
1: it, it took me a little while to get there I think I like it, it got a little convoluted I didn't really connect any dots from being into Green Day for a while um, I think like I was awa- like I, I, I would whatever magazine I could get a hold of that had information or like any kind of stuff I would always read about them so I was aware of uh, like 924 Gilman Street and like sort of how they you know that was like their how they you know that, that place was like kind of like their platform to start playing and all this kind of stuff so i had like learned a little bit about like what the east bay punk scene was doing like on paper but i didn't have any way to like listen to the music yet this was like before anybody in my family had a computer or anything like yeah. that so um i kind of would just continue to sort of like roll with whatever my family was doing um and people in my family would play like you know like classic rock and roll and bluegrass and and funk and stuff like that and you know, there was like some a little bit of Black Sabbath around me and all that. My mom always talks about going to see uh, Ozzy and Metallica in 1986 when she was pregnant with me. That's cool. And, uh, and she's always like, "Yeah, every time the drummer would hit the, the bass drum, uh, like you would kick my stomach, and I just knew, you know, like you were gonna get into this kind of thing or whatever." So, um, but I think it's my like my evolution past like, getting into Green Day and all that kind of stuff didn't start, I think, until a few years later. And, um, I just, I, I, my mom, we moved to Florida. I was living in Vermont at the time, and then me and my mom moved to Florida. She started dating this guy that she worked with, and he had a massive CD collection. Like, you remember those gigantic CD books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, like, 30 of them. It was, like, he was just, he was the first audiophile i had ever met. So he just, like, he cared about every kind of music he could get his hands on, had all this different stuff. And he uh, he also had a pretty big tape collection, and he specifically let me borrow uh, the first Run DMC album, and, but then, more specifically to my evolution, Master of Puppets. Right. And um, Master of Puppets fucked me up. Like I was just like, I didn't know what was happening, I, would, I didn't understand <laughs> yeah. what heavy was. I didn't, you know, but it just, it resonated with me so deeply and I listened to it every day for months and months and months. Um, I didn't like, it just, there were so many things me express, expressed, I think there were like parts of me that, well, that, like even just the, 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 pure sonics of it made me feel things that I didn't know how to feel before. And I feel like it was just, I don't know, it was like really important, yeah. um, but I still didn't. I still didn't, like, necessarily get into metal right then or anything like that either. It was, like, I think probably tr- a bit shortly after that, I feel like me and my friends started playing music together, and that was, like, when, like, the new metal thing was going, like, really got hitting hard. Right. Um, and I remember, like, we went to go see uh, Seven Dust a bunch of times, and we went and saw, like, um, oh, God, a bunch of crap. Like, I remember we saw, like, Mudvayne when they did their first, like, big tour, and we saw, um... Power man Five Thousand, all this kind of stuff, and we wanted to. So and we were like, "Oh man, we want to start a band, like we're rockers, like let's play music." So we like, we just picked one day. I was like, "I'm gonna play guitar," he's gonna play bass. We started learning how to do stuff, and right around, right around that time, I remember when the that first Disturbed single drops with the, you know, the. Oh, <laughs> <or whatever." laughs> yeah. And remember, it was like the week of my friend's birthday, and we were like, "Oh, this music video is so cool. They're like really crazy and twisted. Like, oh man, and um." So I bought the CD for him for his birthday. He listened to it for a few days and then lent it to me. And we started learning songs from it. And that was when we lost interest in new metal altogether. We were like, this is stupid. <laughs> uh, we were like, the aesthetic is, is corny. Like, all this, like, immediately. And it was like, I, I never let go of being, like, the biggest Green Day fan in the world, even to this day. Um, so that was always, like, a part of thing, a thing that people knew about me. So eventually, somebody who was, like, getting into pop punk was like, hey, check out, like no effects and like you know uh mxpx and like shit like that so then it was like this overnight thing like i went to my mom's friend's house cut me a mohawk i spiked it up the next day went to school my best friend was like dude what the hell and i was like man i was like we're getting into punk now and then it was like (laughs) i cut him a mohawk like two days later and then it was just like we wanted it all like we just like immediately started just like like buying cds from the store like you know buy like no effects even the store and look at the liner notes and then, like, buy whatever CDs of bands they were talking about, and then like kind of it from there. Um, but I think it was... What brought it back to the heavy, what brought it back to the more extreme side of things was um my friend I was talking about, his name's Eric, and he... His family was, like... We lived in a really poor neighborhood in, in uh, East Orlando, and his family had, like, started to be on the come up. He had a stepdad, I think, who became, like, a construction foreman, so he started making, like, way more money, so they, like their house and all this stuff, but they got a computer, got the internet, and we started downloading, like, music and viruses to their computer, <laughs> um, <laughs> on our search for, like, the coolest punk stuff, but what happened was, um, there's a certain band who I won't name directly because, like, 100% fuck them, but we were searching for a song by them, and, uh, Capitalist Casualties, My Dad Kills for the USA popped up, and we just downloaded it. And listen to it and then it was like oh shit yeah like what is this like this is like and like we you know we were like we were aware of like minor threat and like some like you know classic hardcore stuff but um this was like i mean it just it fucked us up it changed the game and then we like immediately found out about spaz and immediately like charles bronson and like and then like slayer too just because like it's fucking slayer and like and that was like we got then we got obsessed with all that stuff in that in that moment and um we were also really into leftover crack at the time, which hurts to say a little bit, but that also uh, aided in our our. We were playing in like a street punk band, and that aided in our wants to get heavier. Yeah, and then um, you know, and then I mean, and then from there it was like you know we got into power balance, We finally had access to the internet, and then it was like you know the 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 pedal went to the metal on our exploration of all things extreme.
0: You know, that's cool. So you were kind of just to backtrack a little bit you obviously said that you're like what growing up your family were very much into their music and you were always kind of surrounded by it sort of thing so in terms of kind of actually playing music like was that something that was very much encouraged in your family to like pursue music or was that something that you discovered more on your own accord
1: um so i have i have a absolutely amazing mother um and she she never really tried to push me in any directions you know as far as like just uh trying to put her will on me or anything like that she was very much allowed me to be my own person uh ever since i remember (laughs) um so i got really into sports i was like a young little jock kid like i was on the football team baseball team i did wrestling i played basketball i did like all that stuff yeah and um because it was just fun. i had a lot of energy and like i still do i was just like want you know i wanted to like run around i wanted to run into shit i wanted to you know do all this stuff and like I had a natural knack for a lot of it, and I did pretty well. Um, you know, made like MVP teams and all that kind of stuff. And it's funny because, and my mom always used to come to the games, you know, be on the sidelines, like yelling and cheering and like doing all the thing and being stoked about it because she's like, you know, she can have fun doing most things. But uh, years later, or you know, when I basically when I finally asked for a guitar for Christmas, um, I think she was excited, but also was like, you know, like any parent was like, I don't know if it's gonna stick, so she let me borrow her old guitar um, for a bit to see if I would take to it, and I did, and um, she got me a guitar for Christmas, and, uh, I think when I was like, turned 12 or 13, or like the year I turned 12 or 13, but to speak to your question more so, later on, year, a handful of years later, I remember uh, getting stoned with my mom, and we were just like chatting about stuff, and, you know, she likes to, we'll get high, and she'll like, talk about memories from, where, from yeah, when I was a yeah. she at one point told me, she's like, you know what's funny? um i was never like upset that you were playing sports or doing all this kind of stuff i just kind of always hoped that you would want to play music instead and then when you finally did i was so relieved that like you (laughs) weren't gonna go down the road of just like trying to only care about sports through school and like all that kind of stuff and it, it was like you know and to kind of pair up with like you know what the like overnight getting into punk transformation thing that happened uh I was playing football my first year of high school, freshman year, and I was the only kid in my school's history to make the varsity team freshman year. Oh, wow. And so I was, like, stoked on it. Like, I was like, oh, this is, like, you know, a, a big deal or whatever. And uh, I there was there was one day, it was actually before the, the first game we played, it was, like, the week before, and the coach, I did something stupid, or I don't remember what it was, and the coach grabbed me by my helmet, and he, like, yelled at me, and, like, he, and uh, he called me the gay F word, and uh and I was just like and, uh, like in that moment I was like, this is done. this is not fun. Yeah yeah, uh, this is over. And that, and I'm like, you know I never picked up a, a ball in competition outside of hanging out with my friends uh, since then but like yeah the, the, I wasn't urged to play music, but it was around me so much and just, just like a part of my family as it goes back through multiple generations that I think it was just bound to happen. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I
1: even felt uh, like I've, yeah I have a uh, a kid even that um is being raised by uh, a lovely couple in california and uh he is also a, a killer musician finger picks guitar way better than i do he's only like 13.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well as you said like asking for the guitar for for christmas and obviously you said like your mum kind of like lending her uh, sorry you her sort of thing so it was guitar always the the instrument that you what you wanted to to play and were drawn to or did you kind of dabble with anything beforehand
1: so i actually did dabble with drums a bit first technically uh i think like i i think my grandfather and my mom like i remember exactly how it went down i think i had showed interest in using like playing drums i think they found a good deal on a kid for like christmas or my birthday a couple of years before i got the guitar
0: right and had that lying around and i I got into
1: it a bit but I think really when it came down to it I um, I have this I just I didn't want to be I didn't want um, to have to rely on practicing something that would make the entire house or neighborhood aware of what I was
2: doing <laughs> Yeah.
1: so I think uh, I think that was part of what kept me from kind of evolving with that I didn't really start taking drums seriously until uh, you know probably like eight years ago actually but the um, that was yeah I dabbled a bit with that but then yeah once Once I, like, wanted to actually play music with my friends, it was, like, guitar was the thing I wanted to do, for
0: sure. Yeah, and in terms of, kind of, like, your, sort of, musical growth in in terms of playing and things like that, you mentioned, kind of, like, listening to the the new metal bands and wanting to, sort of, emulate that with your friends and stuff, but what was, kind of, like, the first, sort of, quote-unquote bands that you were playing in? Were, Were they, kind of, punk bands or were they metal bands? What were they, sort of, like, in those earlier days? So, I mean, the, the first band the first
1: like band that I started with my friends the first attempt of anything we did was uh, me and my buddy Eric, we we started a band with our high school buds uh, that was called uh, Explicit Noise and we got the name from um, a sticker that came inside like a shitty distortion pedal that I got from a like, right. guitar setting or something and it was like parental advisory explicit noise or whatever uh, and <laughs> so we well, it named our shit after that i think we, we did a um well we did a large ferguson and the bastards cover we did a sham 69 cover um just like some you know it was just like crappy street punk like yeah. poppy street punk yeah. stuff and then um we played two shows in our high school they had these like little outdoor like music festival things in our high school and we played a couple of those or we played one of those and the other one was a car show that they had at our school okay and and, um, <laughs> and, and then um there was another couple of dudes we knew who had like a crappy street punk band called Riot. And uh, we dropped one of our members and sort of joined forces with them to start a band called Black Block. And then we ended up being a band for like six years, like once we were out of high school and all that stuff. And that was like, started off street punk. And then as that evolution that I was talking about getting into heavier stuff went, the music sort of reflected. So I think by the end of it, we were like a metallic, like heavy punk band. In a way. Okay. I mean, you know, we were trying to figure it out as we we're going along, you know, it's like probably kinda of goofy weird to listen to it now, but um you know it was cool, like that was when we started playing all we we like did well. We started playing a lot of shows in Orlando and um, you know, I was like sixteen years old and we're playing like these weird clubs and bringing out hundred and fifty kids from our school and stuff like that and like really having a lot of fun with it. Um but yeah the first things I did for years and years and years was just like play
0: punk bands yeah yeah which which i I still do and obviously like from my perspective obviously living over in the uk i have no concept of sort of what the u.s sort of scene is like apart from obviously nowadays thankfully we have the the delights of things like hate five six and stuff like that but yeah obviously like for you growing up like was there much of a a punk scene locally that you were kind of like going to shows too, or did you kind of have to seek that out a bit further down the line? How did that all work? So,
1: I think when we first started, when our when our band Black Block first started playing shows, um, we would play at this... I'm trying to remember how the connection was made. I know it had to do with our singer at the time, who was like... He was like the first kid we knew with the internet and like all that kind of stuff, so he always knew about all the cool bands before we did
2: and all right. that kind of stuff,
1: and he... He also was the first one that, um, the first one that, like, sort of started to get into, like, I don't know, like, message boards or, like, website guest books and stuff like that to, like, find out about, um, like, local punk shit that was going on. So somehow we booked a show at a place called the Stone Soup Collective, and it was, um, it was, like, an anarchist bookstore. Okay. And, uh... We went, and we proceeded to play, like, nine shows there. Our first nine shows were at that place. And, in fact, we didn't play anywhere else until that place shut
2: down. Oh, wow.
1: (laughs) But that was kind of our, so we were still, like, we were still in high school, um, and that was kind of, like, where our first, like, outside of school slash, like, getting into some type of scenes, like, relationships started. And um, that was, like probably two, like late 2000 early 2001 something like that yes and um and i think then that was that was kind of where we first started to get tapped in i mean there's people that i still know now from way back then um that were like older guys that booked shows for us and uh and that, yeah and then I, I think once we got tapped into that a little bit then it was like then the, the door really opened for like just knowing when they like going to see bands and like going to like you know rub elbows with like you know, the older folks who were, like, showing us what was up and, you know, telling us we were idiots and, and, and you know, but, like, putting their arm around us and
0: yeah.
1: showing us a good time and, and showing us the cool bands and let's do all
0: that stuff. So would you kind of class that that band as your kind of, like, I, I guess your first sort of quote-unquote proper band in, in some aspects? Yeah, definitely. I would consider that
1: the first real real thing that, that we ever did. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really, I don't really count the, uh, the car show and everything. That, that <laughs> first cool band. Yeah.
0: So obviously like you mentioned sort of like picking up guitar and things and obviously dabbling with drums obviously now you're kind of doing a bit of everything obviously you play bass in one band you play guitar in another band you do vocals so has that is it has that just been a case as, as you've got older you've kind of wanted to learn more or has it kind of been through necessity when you've joined bands that that they needed a bass player and and things like that how has that all kind of worked together
1: um, so I, I guess, yeah, like I think as far as like starting to do more bass, that was like, that was sort of out of necessity, but also like my, um, I've like, I've, I've, I've weaseled my way into a couple of bands in my past as far as like bands I really liked, uh, that were like local in Orlando. There were a couple that I was, that I was like, Hey, like your bass players are, you know, not bad, but like probably be tighter and, uh, <laughs> that uh worked out a couple of times and um but actually actually uh, let me back we'll go back. actually before that i play, uh there was this band from orlando they're like a grindcore, like experimental whatever band uh at least when they started called con and um they were good friends of ours they were like on uh, black market activities records band and they um they started around the same time as the grindcore band that I was in called uh, Republic Corps, and um, we were really close friends. And eventually, they had a- they had asked me to join the band a couple of times, and I said no because I was like, I don't want to be in my favorite band because I don't want yeah. to it. Uh, and also, I didn't think that I was like good enough to do it and whatever. But it came down to it. I finally agreed, and then the day after I agreed. The guitar player, main songwriter fella, um, seems Andrew. He plays bass in uh Inter Arma currently.
2: Oh, okay, he, yeah, um, yeah.
1: He, um, he called me and was like, Hey, I know you said yesterday you're down to like be the rhythm guitar player of this band, but uh, our bassist at the time, uh, Patrick Chumley, who plays guitar in Access, oh, yeah, um, yeah. He had, he, he had like a family thing happen and he had to like basically ditch playing music for a while, so he had to quit the band. And uh, the Dillinger Escape Plan was on some tour, some bigger tour opening for somebody else, but they're banned from the House of Blues in Orlando. And um, so he called me and was like, hey, they're doing a show at the, at the, the social. It's like this 350 cap venue in Orlando. Uh, it's, it's on Friday. It's like already about to sell out. And like a uh, guy who was in the record, he was the guy that owned our label at the time. He was like, guy called me up and was like, hey, I'm putting you guys on this Dillinger Escape Plan show. Like you need to play it. So I like I had just picked up a second job, and I quit it that day so that I could (laughs) spend a week learning the songs on bass.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And then
1: I kind of like played bass in that band for a couple of years. Eventually moved on to guitar uh, when our other friend joined to play bass. And but uh, but then all then just like loved playing bass because it's really fucking fun. Yeah. Um, and it kind of became my main thing for a while. Like I was like bands and they just like that needed bass and there were like things I wanted to do so I was like, Yeah, whatever I'll play bass. I don't like have to play guitar. Um and then drums are just fun, so I just started playing drums with uh with some friends for a project and then when I was about to move to Philly, some friends I knew up here who had visited a bunch down there, um, had hit me up and they're like, Hey, when you move here, we're starting this band and you're playing drums and I was like, Shit, alright, so I like moved to Philly and bought a drum set and people in
2: Philly thought I was only a guitar player for a long time. Oh, okay. I, mean, I okay. Thought, thought I was only a drummer, I mean. I thought I was only a drummer for a long time. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> like, people be like, people like, I remember um, when I joined,
1: or no, actually, I started a band called Discordian Pope for a little while. I played guitar, it was like kind of like some picture worship type stuff. And um, I remember a couple of friends came to the show and they are like, dude, I didn't know you played guitar, that's crazy. I thought you were just a drummer. Like, when did you start playing guitar? And I'm like, well, I started playing drums a year ago, so like,
0: I <laughs> 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 That's crazy. <laughs>
1: But now, I, now I do it all. I play playing four bands, and um, you know, one of them I play drums, uh, two of them I play bass, and then you know, I Fly's guitar, guitar
0: mobile. So, in terms of kind of like, I guess where we'll kind of move to where things are with I fly and stuff like that now. Because so, the two bands that I know you best for is obviously I flies and Backslider. Yep. So, Backslider is obviously a bit more sort of. I don't want to say, uh, like. In the grindcore world, I guess is a bit more faster than than what you're doing with Eye Flies and stuff. So, and you said you played in gr- sort of grind bands before. So, was that kind of more your wheelhouse, I guess, than compared to Eye Flies?
1: Um, definitely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Compared to iFly's for sure. Um, I, yeah, I mean, between playing, playing in, I think I feel like honestly the time that I spent the most just like trying to bust my ass to like hone my instrument and like do it was when I was playing in two like predominantly like blast beat driven bands, uh, Republic Corpse and con. And, um, and I, and ever since, I mean, even till now, like, uh, if I try to write music, like whenever I write music, like a lot of the I Fly stuff, you know, where like a big thing we care about is like writing stuff that's more simplistic. Um, but I like I have to talk myself out of notes like I'll
2: like <laughs> yeah. throw a million notes into any riff you know and try to like just turn it into something that I'm gonna shred uh
1: and 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 I don't even and it's like I don't even want to do that you know what I mean it's like I'm not but it's like just a, it's like a part of how I play yeah like even in Backslider and stuff like uh you know we do a lot of wild shit but Logan will be like hey like uh I was thinking like maybe like I want like a Jake style riff that's, like, kind of like this, like, for a thing like this that we can, like, use as a jump-off point. I'll be like, all right, cool. And every time I come to him with something, I'm like... Uh, he'll be like, yeah, that's cool, I like the vibe, but, like, maybe let's take, like, half the notes out. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> <it'd be> like... <laughs> so, like, the, the sort of hyper-trying-to-do-too-much-grindcore thing I think is, like... was a huge part of my development, and I think it's just, like, a part of me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I guess... then going into iFlies, which is something completely different and as you say a bit more simplistic and, and things like that like was it a bit of an eye-opening experience for you especially kind of I guess being one of the predominant songwriters and now the vocalist as well like was it an experience that you, like that you wanted to put yourself through was it a challenge that you wanted to put yourself through or again was it just circumstantial that these pieces all came together and na- now we have what is iFly's it was definitely
1: circumstantial i was not um i was not like looking for an opportunity to front a band by any means yeah um that's just it's not something i've ever really felt comfortable with in that way um especially with like that kind of stuff i always thought it would be fun to sing for like a cool like fast hardcore band or something like that be like front man like make mean faces at people and like that kind of shit whatever but uh as far as like what iFlies was doing like that kind of stuff, the, the idea of doing something like that ultimately was terrifying to me um and i didn't you know they pat and spencer sort of started working on the project for a while before i was a part of it right and um when i sort of finally agreed to join um pat was like oh yeah also you gotta sing too like I remember, <laughs> <laughs> we like we said like when it, we first did when we played our first show we were a three piece and i was playing bass and um and doing vocals
2: but like yeah we went into it he was like he was like oh yeah he's like you're gonna do bass and vocals and i was like wait i gotta sing too <laughs> <Fuck." laughs> um
1: but uh i was I, it was like i was nervous about it but since i would sort of already agreed to do it i was like all right you know what we'll just like kind of give this a shot um and see see how it goes it was something i had done a bit when i was in high school we we're in that band black block where we would have like songs that i would sing and like whatever um but like since then it hadn't really been a thing so um it took, it's still taking some getting used to. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, like the last couple of like uh, runs of shows we did, I, you know, started to feel more comfortable and like it's fun, you know, like um, I do like sort of being at the helm of this. I like it's, it's, um, it's, it's since Pat and I are the only ones that live in Philly, you know, is, as far as like the in the space like hashing out of ideas is usually just me and him. So um, it's been really fun to sort of like kind of take that kind of helm because I feel like usually I'm in a more uh, support kind of role Which I think is Usually where I shine mm. um, But it's cool to it's, You know It's cool for to shake it all up You know It's like It's a different style of music it's a, it's a whole different vibe I'm singing Which I'm not used to I have to write the lyrics I'm writing like A lot of the riffs Like um, You know It's great I'm used to just kind of Being the guy that's Rocking out And making weird faces And not having to worry <laughs> yeah.
2: about uh, Anything else <laughs>
0: And you obviously said That you and Pat Obviously the ones that Are in Philly and stuff And yeah. Obviously members like including Spencer and things like that, like from various other bands and things. So talk me through how you guys actually did come to be because I think I don't know, like on paper, like looking at the bands that everyone's in, it kind of does make sense, but then the music that you're making doesn't compare to your other bands, if that makes sense. So totally. how ha- so how did the, the collective that is IFlies come together? So
1: drummer used to be in backslider um and so when we were still doing that he had uh he had started like writing songs on bass and he had like never really played uh, a stringed instrument seriously or anything like that he still doesn't really um he just like has ideas and is able to like sort of hash them out yeah uh in like this sort of like primitive way that um is i think really amazing actually like um but he uh he had some of that stuff. He had, like, programmed some drums for it. He was going to, like, uh, uh... Like, it was basically a re- recording project for him and his wife at the time,
0: and... okay.
1: Uh, and, uh... He had sent me a couple of tracks. Um, this was... I mean, this was years ago. He had sent me a couple of tracks to maybe just, like, throw some guitar leads on or, like, something like that. He's like, yeah, I just want to have different people throw some stuff down. He had some other guys do some shit. And, um... But it never really went anywhere. And then, like, uh... You know... Backslider and him, we parted ways, and um, and then like, uh, he didn't. I think so. oh Yeah. So then after that, I think Pat the a time away from playing music for a bit, and then uh, Spencer uh, moved to Philly with um, with his girlfriend at the time, and he, I think he had, like posted online or something like that, was like, oh, I'm moving to Philly, like looking to start a new project. Anybody want to jam and whatever? And Pat was like looking for a way to kind of make that. The stuff he'd been working on coming to fruition so he hit him up and was like hey like i kind of have this like sort of noise rock stuff um i'd be down to jam on something but i don't want to play fast and spencer was like cool i don't want to play fast even <laughs> um, so they started jamming and they were jamming for a few months and uh i think they had like put a call out on the internet even that was like hey anybody want to like play bass in this band like we have some a couple of songs and like blah, blah, whatever. And I think, you know, I, th- I think that nobody that they were, like, feeling comfortable enough with had come forward about it. And Pat had asked me about it at one point, and I turned it down and um, and all that. But then, uh, eventually, I think he just hit me at the right time. Like, Backslider was going through some stuff, actually. Um, our, uh, our, our our guitar player vocalist was, was, like, going through some personal things. And um, so we were kind of taking a step back. And, like, that's, like, my main – Backslider's, like, my main shit.
2: Yeah. So
1: um, I was like, oh, it looks like I'm having a lot of time for you. And, uh, all this. And, um, so like when I talked to Pat the next time, it was like, um, I was like, yeah, you know what, let's do it. Let's, let's, jam at least. Like, you know, so I went to his house and he showed me the songs and we started doing it. And then, so then we were three piece. We played one show. We wrote six songs, five of which were the ones that Pat had been sitting on that we sort of like turned into real songs. And, um, and then we booked time with Kevin, uh, to record. He uh, Nation Studios in Baltimore. He's recorded tons of shit. He did multiple Falau records. Did like Integrity and Ilsa and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, he does all the Backslider stuff. You know, we went, Um. so we went and booked time with him. He's a good, good friend, guitar player, Triac. Like, Backslider's been on tour with them. Kevin's the homie. Um, so we went, we weren't there, and the plan was we're going to record the songs, and then once they're sort of laid down, we're going to ask him if he wants to play bass. <laughs> right. uh, And, uh, so we did, we were, once it was, like, kind of, like, good to go, and I was, like, I had started recording, um, some, like, uh, guitar leads and some other stuff on there and, like, laid down a couple extra rhythm tracks and, like, all that kind of stuff on the guitar, and he was, like, damn, you're doing a lot of guitar on here, and I was, like, yeah, I kind of want to play guitar, and he's, like, yeah, and I was, like, yeah, and then, like, an hour later, I was, like, hey, so, uh, you know I was saying, I wanted to play guitar, you should play bass, (laughs) and he was, like, damn, that might be cool, and he, like, wanted wanted to sleep on it, um, and, uh... And I think it was uh, what I think it was like he gave, he sent us the roughs. A few days later, we sent them to a few labels. Spencer hit up uh, jockey. they were interested. Um, and then we're we're like, hey Kevin, I don't know if you've been thinking about it, but like we're gonna like do this deal and um, you know kind of make this a thing. You want to do it? And he was like, yeah, fucking them down. So um, that thus sealed the deal. Of, uh, that's of one of that's pretty friends. cool. <laughs>
0: And then, so, you you kind of mentioned that, obviously, like, Backsliders was kind of, like, your your main, sort of, band up until this point, sort of thing, but is, correct me if I'm completely wrong, but, like, is that still the case, or are you still now, sort of, a bit more, I guess, sort of, splitting yourself between the four bands, or how are you, kind of, splitting your time band-wise
2: now?
1: So, it's, I mean, ultimately, it's not that much different, like, um... Like, is we've been, we've had a lot to do in the last, like, year and change or whatever, as far as just between, like, making the first record, getting the deal, because like, when throw signed us, they were like, Context is a short EP, they're not really into putting out EPs, we yeah. were like, we'll put this out as is, but you need a full length ready to, like, go to press by, I think it was November 1st, um, so we were like, okay, let's do that, so it was just like, immediately that became like, at the forefront of what I was doing. Right. Um, but I would say, ultimately, when it comes down to it, like, like, Backslider is the thing that, like, um, when it comes to, like, the music that I want to see in the world the most, that I want to be a part of making, uh, Backslider is still that for me, uh, and, but, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, you know, Backslider will probably, you know, not be able to tour as much, or, like, that kind of stuff. Not that iFlyze really has the opportunity to tour a whole lot either, but, um, you know, it's not, it, it's not something that's gonna demand, like, uh, me making a choice, or something like that, right. or like being like, oh, I have to put more effort into this thing than the other thing too much, unless there's, like, an event happening, like, the tour we were just supposed to do with well, hell, that's not happening again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, um, but ultimately, it's like, you know, iFlyze is, is something that I think none of us expected to be very serious we were just excited about it and then you know stuff kind of started happening so it um it became more serious but really when it comes down to it we're hugely at the mercy of spencer's schedule full hell is is uh, a, is a full-time job for those guys most of the time yeah and um and you know and and, and that's you know that's that that's what he does that's his, that's a, he's you know they built a fucking empire and um so that's that's always going to take precedent, no matter what. Plus, Kevin, you know, he's got his recording studio, very established. You know, he's an extremely accomplished um, engineer. But now he's building guitars. Um, if you've seen any pictures of us playing those like aluminum guitars, he built those.
0: Oh, sick! Um, and
1: uh, and it's and that's sort of taken off. He's already, I think, like a, got at least a year waiting list um, for people. Like his, you know, so that's and that's his passion right now. He's he's diving into it. I think he's. The guy basically hates music, anyways, because he's been a recording engineer for so long. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, like, he, so I think that he's able to sort of start shifting some of that energy into um, building something else. Um, it's, uh, it's it's you know, it take a lot of his time. I mean, I think uh, we were considering uh, a different tour coming up that probably won't happen now because of all this crap going on. But we were considering doing another thing, and it was something that he was going to have to sit out, and we would get a fill-in for because, like, he's just got. So much going on and it's yeah. not like we're making a lot of it's not like we're making a lot of money either. We're a new band and um with his life he's got like you know, I'm always complaining about how I'm broke or whatever, but I'm like always broke and I have like a low overhead. He's got uh, two houses that have been joined together to build a recording studio. He's got like gigantic loans out to like start this guitar business
2: and all this kind of stuff. So if he's not generating like thousands of dollars a month, he can't pay his bills.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. like
1: when we go out on tour and we're like, yeah, we got this, like, shitty little guarantee that'll, like, keep us fed and, like, you know, maybe get us hotel rooms and have a couple of bucks at the end, it's, like, fine for me and, like, ultimately fine for Pat or Spencer because it's, like, like, we just got less to worry about or whatever, but Kevin is, like, he's, like, you know, he can't he can't go out on the road for multiple weeks because it's, like, essentially, hits
2: him real hard. I, I yeah. don't mean
1: ever, but, like, you know, he has to be more choosy, I guess is
0: what. Yeah, what I mean. no, 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 I get that. Um, and then in terms of, kind of, like, I guess time scale and frame of things with eye flies at the moment like i I discovered you obviously off the back of the the context ep because thrill jockey were kind enough to to send it into my my inbox sort of thing and then kind of followed the the journey since and it's been as you say like just a year over a year and you've already kind of done a full length got a bit of a reputation as this kind of nuanced Sort of band that's a bit left field compared to the other bands that the members are in, sort of thing. We're obviously already potent meant to be over here in Europe, sort of thing, yeah. off the back of less than 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 a year, sort of thing, which is unheard of for a lot of bands your size, sort of thing. So, Absolutely. so for being inside that machine, like, has it been a bit overwhelming? How quickly the pace has been? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean,
1: uh, I guess like overwhelming um in a way i you know i i can't speak for anybody else in the band but i just i have and i'm not even like trying to act like i'm, I'm trying to be down on myself because i'm not but i just i have like no fucking aspirations in life outside of <laughs> trying to make music and perform it for people so like uh this happening has been like just the stuff happening with it's been great because you know i've been doing this for 20 years and um you know, there's, I'm not going to stop if, like, you know, a band I'm in never takes off or anything, but uh, it's been pretty wild to, like, make all these changes, you know, sing for a band for the first time in years, you know, uh, do all this stuff, like, to, like, drastically change the style that I'm playing, and, like, and then, oh, wow, okay, our uh, fourth and fifth shows were opening for daughters. Uh, you know, our, our first tour that was longer than a week was with Torch, like, um, you know, we were booked to play Roadburn, we were supposed to be on tour with a full and Primitive Man, like, you know, we're, I, I, I got reviews of the new record hit my inbox every day and like all this kind of stuff and it's never been like that before and, you know like after 20 years for this to happen after being in a band for one year is like definitely a little overwhelming but um obviously taking it with open arms I mean like I'm just excited that people are excited about the music that we're making you know it's like it's great I wanted to I'm hoping this whole virus thing doesn't like completely kill our momentum because I want to like get out and
0: play for people yeah yeah and obviously in terms of kind of like you being the quote unquote sort of vocalist frontman whatever you want to call it sort of thing you've obviously mentioned sort of like the whole kind of idea of you having to actually sit down and write lyrics being something that you weren't maybe necessarily that used to or familiar with sort of thing but especially on this newer record like you're very kind of unflinching and very open in what you're talking about. So was that difficult for you to kind of come into something that you were going into the unknown, but being so open at the same time? Or is that just who you are as a person?
1: Um, I, think, I think it's sort of a, a bit from both columns. Like, I... I... What's the word? I don't know. I, I really... Um, I had a hard time, especially especially with the new record. With context, I just kind of, like, ultimately threw some shit together that I thought was, like, kind of clever for the things that I think are cool. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it was kind of an afterthought. Like, I was, like, putting it off because I was so worried about it that, like, when it came time to write the lyrics, it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to record this record in a few days, and the one show we played I kind of just shot from the hip. Uh it's got to be something I just have to together. But with the new record, um, I, I sort of told this story in an interview recently on paper, but, um, basically, well, like one of the things that really did is I, I was like, I was hemming and hawing about a lyrical approach. You know, like I, you know, I come from a, uh, an activist and punk rock background. So like talking about sociopolitical issues is something that I can't help but do in my yes. life anyways. Um, I also was kind of like, well, you know, I don't want to write myself into a corner or like, just kind of like regurgitate the same old tropes and whatever. So it was like, almost like I was thinking about this stuff right around the same time that a good friend of mine named Alex Smith, um, who he sings for a band called solarized based out of, um, Philly. And also, um, is, he's just like a, he, he's a, he's a writer and a visual artist, um, like the heavy on the Afrofuturism stuff. And, um, just like a really beautiful human and somebody I look up to a lot. And, he hit me up and he was like, Yo, I saw you guys got signed to Thrill Jackie. Like, congratulations. I love that label. They do a lot of amazing work. This is going to be a lot of exposure, et cetera. Um, and he kind of like, I think I, I don't, it was almost like he picked up on how I was feeling because he was like, You know, this is, he's like, You know, this is like a big platform for you. Um, like, I hope you're thinking about how you're going to handle that. <laughs> uh, and like, part of me was kind of like, Fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, don't tell me how to do my yeah, shit. That yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like, the, the defensive part of me. But also, I was like, it was really valuable, um, I think, because it like it, it helped me sort of push. Because a, a part of me was feeling that way anyways, and it helped me kind of like push that a little bit. And so I decided that any songs where I was gonna like tackle an issue of any sort, that it needed to be something that I could personally relate to. Also, yeah, um, you know, like I love Crass and, and Osroten and, and like you know all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, like, drop dead, and stuff like that, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be that guy that's, like, stating facts in a song about, like, you know, this is what happens to people in poverty because of, like, this bill that, you know, somebody wrote, and, like, blah, 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 and, like, Yeah, like, yeah you know, like, that was, like, not gonna be, that, gonna, I, I appreciate that that's been done, but it's been done so many times, and I just didn't want to do anything like that, so I tried to just, like, put things to be in a place that I could recognize, so there's, like, a personal... Sort of connection or relevance to any of the songs that like could be seen as like political or, or you know socially conscious or whatever hmm. um, and then the, 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 the contrast of it is that's that stands for like half of it and then the other half of it is literally like you know uh, based on my interests in um, like psychedelic exploration mixed with like my favorite like classic uh sci-fi literature stuff um and how that relates to like um you know how we perceive the world as humans and and, and, and manipulation and understanding of consciousness etc all kind of wrapped up into like a weird thing that forces me to write word salads that might not make sense to very many people but is fulfilling for myself <laughs> that's fair enough um
0: and in terms of kind of like the the sounds i know that you said that sort of Pat and Spencer kind of like were playing around with the sound in the beginning, sort of thing. But obviously, now with the with the new record, I don't know whether whether this is just just my sort of perception of it, but it kind of feels that even though it's been in such a short space of time, like you've kind of honed out what you wanted for Eye Flies, and for me personally, like you've kind of filled that hole that was left by Ludacts That so. Oh wow! Okay. So like. Was that kind of like the uh, the vibe that you guys are kind of going for? Is that kind of... It's still its own beast, but you're kind of ticking off many boxes. Like, you're appealing to the hardcore kid, you're appealing, you're appealing to the punk kid, you're appealing to the grindcore kid. Was that ever a conscious effort, or was that just how things landed? Uh,
1: I, th- I think it's really just how things landed, honestly. Um, what's so much fun about this band is how organic everything comes together Hmm. Um, or how organically things come together like I think so I I think in my opinion um, I think the difference Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's. I, I think it was like. I think we were like really just honestly trying to like not imitate, but just like draw direct influence from like our favorite noise rock stuff. And I think anything else that came out, like the hardcore leanings or like the stuff that might please like the grinders and stuff, I think just comes naturally from our background. Yeah. You know, the fact that we don't have really long songs. That's a. That's something that somebody else brought up before. That like, oh, this regular, you know, Temple Arts, cool, because it's like all the noise rock stuff I love, but I don't like have to skip a song six minutes in because they're like playing the same riff for like a million years and just have have (laughs) this like fucked up definite note that makes me want to kill myself um and that's uh, and a lot of that stuff is what we're hugely influenced by but i think naturally we write shorter songs and keep things a bit more concise because like we all used to or still play grind you know yeah um so our attention spans don't allow for us to like do anything for too long of a time or um or, you know, or stuff like that. So I think I think that's a huge part of, in my opinion, maybe, uh, is speculation why, like, folks who are maybe more into hardcore, um, are feeling it, or,
2: yeah.
1: or you know, that the connections can be drawn, you know? Mm. I also, I also, my first, um, like, I was familiar with a lot of those bands before I ever heard the term noise rock, uh... I think the first time I ever heard of the, like heard the term noise rock is my old band went on tour with um, uh, Ken Mode from Canada. Oh yeah yeah. And, and um, they were I it was like I was a big fan of them. I mean I still love that band. Um, I was a big fan of them at the time, and I remember I'd never heard the term. I had a couple of their records, and um, when we were on tour with them, they had um, a sign on their merch table. And it was like something about how they had, had like the the ladies fit shirts made or something like that, uh, and it was like like ladies now you can show your love for uh, metallic noise rockers Ken Mode from Canada whatever, and I was like noise rock huh like what is that you know like I never and um it was, it, but I was like he was always he would always talk about Unsane and Melvins and stuff like that and and you know Jesse from Ken Mode and, uh, and that's stuff that I've always loved but uh, once the once the term t- kind of came to fruition it was kind of cool to. Um,
2: Realize how all these bands are related. Yeah, yeah, and kind of, and, uh, and, and, kinda, and, and assist in sort of digging a little further
1: into the hole. You know, a lot of folks have an issue with um, monikers for different genres or whatever, but I think it's cool because then it gives you uh, something to reference, something to, so, something to use to dig
0: in. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, obviously, that with sort Eye of Flies is kind of you're kind of taking the lead, obviously, doing the vocals, doing a bit more of sort of like the guitar writing and things like that so now when you're kind of going back to doing stuff with with backslider and the other bands that you're sort of now part of is it kind of a relief off your shoulders when you get that opportunity to not like take a back seat but the there's not so much pressure on you to be the the lead so to say
1: definitely um you know when backslider plays or when um uh uh, other band I play bass for called King Corso based on Richmond, technically but um, whenever I've played shows with those bands specifically um, since i has been performing it's definitely I like sort of appreciate um, the catharsis and freedom that comes along with <laughs> yeah. you know, playing bass and rocking you know what I mean like um, one of the hardest things I've had to do with i performing wise is remembering to stay close to the microphone <laughs>
2: uh,
1: yeah there'll be a break where there's no vocals and then I'm like, I'm trying to move around and then I'm like, oh shit, my part's coming back up. Like, i got to like, run back over to mic <laughs> uh, and I'm not used to having to worry about that. Um, so like, yeah, especially like your backslider played a show a few weeks ago with uh, Red Death and um, it just felt so good to just rock and
0: just yeah, not yeah.
1: worry But you know, I mean, like I love, like when I've I have a great time every time but it's cool how different the experiences are for sure and then and uh, I can, I sort of lean into it a little bit more, but I will say with backslider being, um, uh, you know, a big a big piece of what I care about all the time, um, that's still it's still work. One of the biggest differences is how much work it is physically. Mm. Backslider is like we write a song and then if we're going to play it correctly, I have to drill those riffs at home for days, right? Because you know? um, the shit can get wild at times. When I fly, it's like, dude, sometimes it will be like we'll write a song in practice, and I literally won't play it at home until we go to practice again. And I like it won't skip a beat; like it's just there, you know. Uh, which is really helpful for trying to put the effort into arrangements and like layering and all that kind of stuff when you're not just being like, all right, cool. A big part of this process is just like physically building the finger muscles and muscle memory <laughs> to
2: like yeah.
1: play said riffs, you know. <laughs>
0: That's cool. And um, before I let you go, Jake, obviously you were meant to be here at the moment sort of touring with um, Primitive Man and um, Full of Hell so I don't want to kind of speculate but I'm more more hoping but is there any sort of talks of that tour being rescheduled or have you got any other plans for yourselves to come back this side when all of this calms down like where's that kind of standing at the moment? So right
1: now everything is so up in the air Um, when the when we initially had the conversation about how this tour wasn't going to happen, um, and the roadburn thing and everything, it was uh, pretty quickly they were trying to reschedule the tour for like uh, I think it was like May and June
2: mm.
1: initially. And uh, Patrick, our drummer, he uh, he's a he's a union stagehand. Okay. Um, so, so he like. He, but he uh, he also had like a, a, a he has a contract job at this large venue here um, called the Man Center. I don't know if you're familiar with like the Roots, but it's like where the Roots do their Roots picnic
0: right, and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah.
1: I saw Dolly Parton there a couple of years ago. It's like a place like that. Uh, he um, he's contracted the there through the summer, so right. he has to be here all, all summer this year to do that. So for the reschedule, it was just going to be full of Hell and Primitive Man, unfortunately, for unfortunately for us, um, and is also, I don't think, happening now. At least not then. I'm pretty sure that tour's going to have to be off just because as this whole COVID-19 thing gets worse, nobody re- really knows where anything stands for the next, you know, handful of months. Uh, so, unfortunately, at the moment, I know, like, I can't, like, necessarily reveal a whole lot about what Spencer's got going on, but Full Hell's going to be pretty busy this year. Yeah. Um, and I think the world will see that soon. Um, so what we're trying to do and, and considering everything's up in the air, I mean, we can't, like... Also, our booking agent, even for the States right now, is just, like, hey, we're just gonna, like, not try to worry about doing anything right now because we don't know what the hell's going on. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think, ultimately, it depends on, um, like, after summer what we can do. I think we might do some stuff towards the end of the year in the States. As far as going to Europe, that's probably gonna be a 2021 thing. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, and, and hopefully, I mean, I wanna I want to get over there and seems. It seems like a lot of the good press we're getting is coming from over there, too, so I would really <laughs> yeah. like to, to get over to Europe, but, um, and, you know, into the UK and stuff, but, uh, the, the, I guess the plans are essentially that we really want to make it happen, but it's so hard to tell right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: that's cool. Right, Jake, before I let you go, how I like to end these little chats is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist, and obviously, as you've kind of got, I guess, two main bands that I know of, I gave you two bites of the cherry, so, what's your favorite song that you like to perform live and why? And you can pick one from Backslider, and you can pick one from flies
1: Oh, okay. Um, favorite Backslider song to perform right now, uh, I think, ah, shit, what's it called? It's called Bone Thief. Right. Um, it's a song that's going to be on our upcoming LP There is uh, that we're about to record, but there is a version of it on... Um, a demo that we recorded last year, and it's on YouTube. It's just called, like, Backslider 2019 demo or something yeah. like that. And that's on there. And then, um... Just the same thing for an iFly song? Yeah. I think... I think my favorite song to perform live for iFly's right now is the song Predator and Prey. It's the third track on Top of Life. Because um, it's... It's fun to sing. It's like a, I sing in, like, a little bit different register, and it's, uh... It's just, like, mad heavy and I get to play a guitar solo at the end,
2: so
0: that's always really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. Jake, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And hopefully dude, we'll see you over here sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm hoping so too, my friend. No worries. Take care, dude. Thanks so much, man. You too. Cheers, mate. bye Cheers. Later. so there we have it folks again a massive thank you to jake for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me um, as always you can find out what both iflies and backslider are doing on all their various social media platforms which as always will be linked in the description of this episode um, as you can probably tell from the the number of this episode we do have a big one coming up next week's number 150 um, the guest i have lined up personally i think is a fucking awesome guest i really hope you guys enjoy it too um and it's really again like we've had some really cool open and honest chats since i set up this podcast and again this is another one of those where nothing's kind of left unsaid which i really really appreciate because artists don't need to come on here and say these things but they're very open to to the suggestion of it and every time i kind of pose a question that could be seen as as not difficult but uh something they maybe want to shy away from they'd never do which i really really appreciate so yeah big 150 coming up next week um but as always whether this is the first time you've listened to the uh, podcast or the 149th time if you're able to give the show a rating review subscribe on whatever platform you listen to it really really appreciate it um that is it for another week thank you again for stopping by the justin insight podcast